Hello and welcome to CommuniCore Weekly. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. Let's get right into it. It's time for Disney History! Club 33 is a private club located in the heart of New Orleans Square in Disneyland. Officially maintained as a secret feature of the theme park, the entrance of the club is located next to the Blue Bayou Restaurant at 33 Royal Street. The entrance is recognizable by an ornate address plate with the number 33 engraved on it. When Walt Disney was working with various corporations for his attractions at the 1964-1965 New York's World Fair, he noted all the VIP lounges that were provided as an accommodation for the corporate elite. This gave him the idea that eventually turned into Club 33. When New Orleans Square was planned, he decided to include this special area for corporate sponsors and VIPs. Disney asked artist Dorothea Redmond to paint renderings and hired Hollywood set director Emil Curry to decorate the restaurant. While originally intended for the exclusive use by Disneyland's corporate sponsors and other various VIPs, individual memberships were offered when Club 33 opened in May 1967. As of 2011, there is a 14-year waitlist for new memberships. Corporate members pay initiation fee of $27,500, and individual members pay $10,000 in addition to annual dues. Club 33 members and their guests have exclusive access to the club, which is not open to the general public. In addition to beer and wine, Club 33 has a full bar, which makes it the only location within Disneyland that offers alcoholic beverages. Members receive complimentary access to both West Coast Disney parks whenever they are open, plus early park admissions several days each week. In addition, members are entitled to complimentary valet parking at the Grand Californian Hotel and access to the Lily Bell, the presidential car on the Disneyland Railroad. Club 33 members also receive up to six immediate fast passes when they insert their Club 33 membership card into any of the fast pass kiosks. To enter Club 33, a guest must press a buzzer on an intercom concealed by a hidden panel in the doorway. A receptionist will confirm the reservation name over the intercom before opening the door to a small, ornate lobby. Guests have the option of going to the dining level using an antique-style glass lift or a staircase to the second level which wraps around it. The lift is an exact replica of one Disney saw and fell in love with during a vacation in Paris, but the owner of the original refused to sell. Disney sent a team of engineers to the Parisian Hotel to take exact measurements for use in the creation of the replica. A sample of the original finish was taken to ensure faithful reproduction. Once at the dining level, guests can view antique furniture pieces collected by Lillian Disney. The walls are adorned in part with butterflies pinned under glass and hand-painted animation cells from the film Fantasia. The club is also furnished with props from Disney films. There is a fully functional glass telephone booth just off the elevator that was used in The Happiest Millionaire and a walnut table with a white marble top that was used in Mary Poppins. There is also a harpsichord which was custom built for Lillian Disney specifically for use in Club 33. The underside of the lid features a Renaissance-style painting that was actually done by Disney artists. Unfortunately, it is now in disrepair and no longer works. They were originally going to make use of audio-animatronic technology within Club 33. Microphones and overhead lighting fixtures would pick up the sounds of normal conversations while an operator would respond via characters on the walls. An audio-animatronic vulture is perched in one corner of the club's trophy room, a remnant of this original plan. There is also a five-legged goat of sorts in the club. 
Walt wanted to know who was visiting the club and to make sure people were having a good meal, so he added a small two-way mirror to the outside lounge area. That way, he can peek into the trophy room and see for himself. If you look, you can still see the access door to the mirror along with the old lock that secured it from unauthorized use. If you're not a member of the club, the only way to gain access is to participate in the Walk in Walt's Footsteps Tour, where you are allowed to see the lobby, but you will not be allowed upstairs. Another option is to befriend someone who has a membership, and mooch off of them. Rick Astley has one. And you know he's never going to let you down. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his beat. It's George's Book of the Week. Jeff, talking about Club 33 made me want to do a food-related book review. So this week, I am sharing Cooking with Mickey Around Our World, Walt Disney World's most requested recipes from 1986. This is the first volume, with a second volume released in 2000. And this isn't the first recipe book to feature Walt Disney World recipes, but it's the first official one. The recipes are divided into 12 major sections that cover beverages, appetizers, meats, poultry, vegetables, desserts, and much more. Disney also included a recipe index and a restaurant index. Surprisingly, some of the newer Disney cookbooks don't have these indexes. You'll find recipes from the Magic Kingdom, Epcot Center, the hotels, Fort Wilderness, and the Walt Disney World Shopping Village. So why would you want a cookbook that is almost 20 years old and that almost none of the restaurants or recipes exist anymore or are made today? Obviously, there is a time capsule nature with a book like this. You can see what the restaurants were serving and what dishes were popular. It's also a great way to research the changes in dining over the years, especially to see how the dining at every restaurant was truly unique. Plus, this could be a fun way to introduce the kids to some different types of foods and make it a fun night of trip planning over dinner. Also, don't forget to check out the two-page display about 1986 kitchen decorations with Mickey all over them. I'm sold! Here's another minute that you can't get back. It's the 60-second review. Well, you know, Jeff, The Muppets was released on Blu-ray and DVD, and uh, we're both huge huge Muppet fans. Tell us a little bit about what you thought about the film. I have been waiting for this movie for years, and I gotta tell you, I, I went to go see it twice in the theaters. I laughed and I cried both times because it was just fantastic. I loved the movie. I thought Jason Siegel did a great job. Um, I just loved it. I can't say enough good things about it. But you you have the, the, the Blu-ray already. What did you think about it? Exactly. Uh, of course, we've watched it twice and loved every minute of it. But the Blu-ray extras are what's extraordinary. There is a fantastic, incredibly long uh, making of. And they're not sure if there's another one that's longer that's about Muppets, but that's the Muppets for you. There's some great deleted scenes, some great commentary, but by far the best part of this Blu-ray, and it is better than anything I've ever seen, is that moment when you realize you need to get up to get another drink or go to the bathroom and you pause it. Well, you get a Muppet intermission. And what this is, Jeff, was completely mind-bogglingly good. The Muppets come on screen during the intermission and tell jokes and show bloopers and show little bits and pieces of the behind-the-scenes and the Blu-ray extras. It was so bad, it took us an extra half hour to watch the film because we kept pausing it to see what was going to come up during the intermission. 
that's amazing. And I'd be the guy in the other room going, hey, I told you to pause the movie, pause the movie, pause the movie. And I'd have to like not do what I went to go do. So I'd have to watch all this extra stuff. But that's a great idea. And I can't wait to buy it. If it's a legend that you seek, come on and take a peek at the window of the week. Fashions by John. Dressmaking, Hemstitching, and Picoting. This window honors the original costume department leaders at Walt Disney World. Tom Pierce, Orpher Harriman, Ken Creekmore, Elijah Paskovich, and John Keane. This window is also notable for one other reason. It used to include a sixth name. A former show quality monitor told me that years ago he was in charge of building an index of all the windows on Main Street. When researching for this window, he found information on the five names that currently are on the window without much difficulty, but on the sixth, he was coming up short. He eventually wrote to the corporate personal archives to ask what the person did for the company. They replied that he worked for Disney, but only for about four months. The mystery became a bit clearer when it was discovered that this mysterious sixth person had spent those few months working in the sign shop, and his job included painting and touching up, you guessed it, the windows on Main Street. Apparently, he thought the five names didn't balance well when they were split three and two, so he inserted his own name to make the pair of windows come out even. The name stayed on the window close to ten years before it was found out. As you can see, the current sign shop quickly corrected that problem. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. In the new Fantasyland expansion, we are seeing five-legged goats everywhere. There's a new one located in the queue for the Barnstormer featuring the great Goofini. If you look at his brand new sign, it does look pretty snazzy. But if you look at the ninth wonder of the world, the back side of signage, you see some strange markings. Rearrange the sections, turn one right side up, and bam, it says Wiseacre Farm. And you know, Wiseacre Farm was the original location where this ride was located in Toontown before being <clears throat> repurposed to fit in with the storybook circus. Looks like Goofy did a little bit of recycling when he was painting it. Thanks so much for watching. Be sure to leave us a comment. Email us. Like us on Facebook. And make sure to follow both of us on Twitter. You can also still enter our fantastically fuzzy photo contest by sending in an email at communicroweekly at gmail.com. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And we're from Mice Chat. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next week on Communicore Weekly. Take over.